This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, we haven't even pulled away from the drive-thru and you're already digging in the McDonald's bag. Aw, <laughs> babe, just a few. <laughs> All right, I guess I can't blame you. Pass me some, too. <laughs> the smells too good to get it all the way home meal. There's a meal for every moment at McDonald's. And now your favorite spicy chicken McNuggets are back. Get a six-piece spicy or classic for just two bucks. Only at McDonald's. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast is brought to you by Triple Threat Sports, Marishka's in Crest Hill, Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe, Rabbit Brewing in Homewood, Illinois, and by The Barrel Club in Oak Lawn. Here are your hosts, NBC Chicago's James Naveau and 670 The Scores hockey guy, Jay Zawoski. Let's drop the puck. Welcome in, my friends, to the newest edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. My name is James Naveau from NBC5 Chicago, and with me, as always, but you know what? No, it's not as always, because we're actually in a studio together today, is the one and only Jay Zawoski of 670 The Score. Jay, we are coming to the good listeners of our podcast from the 670 The Score studios, so I guess you can say... They're talking hockey at the station today. <laughs> yeah, finally. There's finally actual hockey conversation happening at the score. It's this podcast. It's not airing on the score, but it's, <laughs> it is happening in the building, which is baby steps, yeah. I suppose. We, we have a toehold is what it is. <laughs> well, James, thanks for meeting me downtown. We're trying to get a uh, podcast out over the last couple of days, and it's been crazy busy for both of us. So this is what worked, and we're glad to be able to do it here midweek. And we have a win to talk about. Yay! They played awesome in that game. They I really like did. I, I I here the, tell me if you had the same feeling I did though. As the game was going on and they weren't really pulling away, it's like, man, they're playing so well. And if they find a way to lose this game, even though it's only four games into the year, it would have felt like five losses at once. It definitely would have stung based on the way they were playing. But I mean, we've seen this movie before with the Blackhawks where they get off to a really good start. They can't quite pull away. And then the other team just kind of hangs around and hangs around and eventually makes that push for a comeback. And we saw Edmonton do that in the third period on Monday night when they scored that third period goal and the Blackhawks were only up two to one. I'm sure a lot of uh, sphincters tightened in uh, (laughs) Blackhawks nation when that happened. But fortunately, Brandon Saad did get rewarded with the goal. We will, I'm sure, talk about his play and the way Jeremy Colladin sees him as this uh, podcast goes along. But I think the big narrative that came out of that game wasn't necessarily the way that the offense played or the way the defense played. It was, I think... 
the way Corey Crawford played based on the fact that ever since that first game in Prague, like it was really apparent to me on Monday, he looked a lot more calm, looked a lot more effective. He was moving better in the crease. Maybe it was opening night jitters. Maybe it was the pressure of having Robin Leonard breathing over his shoulder. But I think Corey Crawford looked pretty darn solid on Monday night. There's no doubt about that. And I tweeted Monday morning that I wanted Crawford to get the start because it felt like Leonard had earned it. He had a better performance against the Jets, even though they ended up losing that game. Leonard played really well, and I'm glad it worked out for Crawford. My concern is, and we talked about this all offseason, is one of the unanswered questions about Jeremy Calton would be his willingness to take new guy over old guy. Mm-hmm. And the fact that Crawford was getting that start was an indication that he was going to opt for the old guy based on nothing merit-wise, right? It was going to be like, well, he's Corey Crawford, so he gets to start, and that bugged me. It did work out, so it turns out I was wrong. I still don't think my thought was wrong or the idea was wrong. Look, if um, you know they call up Adam Boquist and he outperforms one of the defensemen on the team, then he should play. I don't care if a guy won three Stanley Cups four years ago. Mm. The best player should play, and that's kind of my point. I've been called a Corey Crawford apologist for a long time. I'm a huge fan of Corey Crawford, but the way he played the first two games was bad. There's mm-hmm. there's no other way to put it. Yes, the team was bad in front of him, but he didn't do them any favors either. So glad to see him bounce back. Like you said, he was outstanding. He was the number one star of the game and deserved to be the number one star of the game. So I'm glad it worked out. And now Friday for Columbus, it feels like it would probably be Crawford. You know, Cowan doesn't give any clues I don't, it's weird. I don't, it's not like a pitcher where you can really prepare. Right. Like, are, are, you know, are the Blue Jackets going to change their practice? Whatever. You know what? John Tor- Don't put it past John Tortorella to make a change based on who's in net. I'm sure he has some formula for success. And I know that I'm the resident John Tortorella basher on this podcast, but I'm, I'm sure he's got something up his sleeve. I'm yeah, sure of it. Uh, fine. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. I just don't, I wonder how much effect it actually has. Is but Rick whatever. Nash still on the uh, Blue Jackets? I believe he is. So is Lyle Odeline. Ooh, good Bla- pull. Blackhawks <laughs> legend Lyle Odeline. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, but look, man, that win was so needed and so necessary. And look, they deserved it. They played an awesome game. The third period you mentioned, the Oilers started to come back and, and threaten a lot. Mm-hmm. But that's score effects. That happens all the time when teams are down. They're down two. And they had a, a large edge in play in the third period. But, that again, that's expected. Mm-hmm. I think the Hawks did everything right. I thought Duncan Keith had his best game of the season. I think Jonathan Taves had his best game of the season. Obviously, Corey Crawford was at his best. I just liked the level of commitment from the whole team. And we're five minutes in, and we haven't mentioned this yet. The Hawks have out-hit their opponents in every game this year. Oh, man, I did want to talk about that today. It's making a difference. And yeah. I, and, and Jeremy Cowton talked about it at the end of last year. So did Stan Bowman. They needed some guys that would play north and south and finish their checks. Mm-hmm. And when they traded for Andrew Shaw and they traded for Zach Smith and traded for Oli Mata and traded for Calvin DeHaan, that was the idea. They wanted to bring guys in that would play a more straightforward game and look, when we say play physically, we're not saying put a guy through the glass or drop the gloves and send messages and turn momentum. No, but if you're checking a guy endlessly from start to finish, as the game wears on, they're going to be looking over their shoulders. They're going to be rushing passes because they don't want to keep taking those hits mm-hmm. over the course of a game. It makes a difference. And to see the Hawks playing a more physical brand of hockey is really, really good because 
back in the day when they were winning Stanley Cups, they had the talent to kind of coast through games and play at 80, 85%, Mm -hmm. and they were good enough to win when they did that. Now the Hawks had to be 100% compete all the time to have a chance of getting two points most nights and playing physically is part of that. Well, yeah, and I think we've we've said it. We've beaten this uh, horse to a pretty state of deadness, I would say, is that the Blackhawks aren't exactly a fleet of foot team. What? Right? Come they, on. They're not very fast. So what you have to do is you have to take calculated risks and to throw hits when you get opportunities. We saw the Oilers get really frustrated with that the other night. That Andrew Shaw hit behind the net is one of them that I'm thinking of right off the top of my head. Dude skates back there with his head downs, kind of looking at Patrick Kane and Shaw leveled him with a clean hit and he ended up taking a penalty because of it. Yeah, Like there was a penalty that Andrew Shaw drew because he threw that hit. And that was happening all over the ice, especially in the defensive zone back behind that net and also in the neutral zone where I really want to see it because that's where you diffuse a lot of potential rushes is in that area of the ice and I think the Blackhawks forwards have done a really good job of mixing an effective forecheck in that area especially guys like Alex DeBrincat and on occasion Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves have been mixing that up as well with that physicality that a guy like an Andrew Shaw or a Zach Smith can bring I'd love the mix that they've shown on defense at least in the neutral zone the I'm glad you mentioned the neutral zone because there was a hit in the third period that I'm just blanked. Kelvin Don. There you go. <laughs> I think Kelvin, I don't, I, Connor, Mc, Connor McDavid's in my head. I just got done working with Connor McKnight. So there's a lot of C's. There's a lot of C words a in my head. A lot of C's so and a lot of does. <laughs> yes. So Kelvin DeHaan put a hit on Connor McDavid oh, in the neutral zone. Was, and Connor McDavid flew off the handle. He was furious. He was pissed about it. it. And, he be, and you saw, instead of trying to go through to Han McDavid almost jumped back as uh-huh. if I'm tired of getting hit. This is exactly what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And you said it when the opportunities are there, take them. If there's a guy right there primed to be checked, check him. Don't bump him. Don't grab him. Don't try to a little swat at him. <laughs> and look, you mentioned Andrew Shaw. He did all the Andrew Shaw things again in the game. Yep. He took a dumbass unneeded neutral zone penalty where he grabbed a guy's arm and pulled him down. Didn't need to do it. He was going to get the rush anyway. Yeah. He was beating him and ended up grabbing him anyway. It was like he couldn't help himself. He's like, oh, I haven't done this yet today. Oh, <laughs> that checks that bingo card. But, uh, here, just eliminate one of the Andrew Shaw things, Andrew. The dumb penalty that you take every game, eliminate that yep. and do the other things you do so well. Draw a penalty and score a goal. It's the Andrew Shaw penalties, hat trick. Score goals, get in front of the damn net irritate the opponent. Those are the things you're brought in to do. The dumb penalties, especially in the neutral and offensive zones, stop. Stop that. Other than that, I've been really happy with what Andrew Shaw has brought. And if you're happy with what Andrew Shaw has brought, go get yourself a brand new number 65 jersey at Triple Threat Sports. Or if you've got a team or a business that needs outfitting, hit them up as well. They'll help you design the logo. Your outfitting will look great. TripleThreatSports.com or send them an email, Chris at TripleThreatSports.com, 708-478-6090. If you can wear it, they can make it. That's called an effective tease, my friend. I like that Chris getting his money's worth with these ad reads. Yeah. Well, it's been a long time. <laughs> Five years of doing that read. So Yeah, man. We, we've got that down to a fine science. Another guy I want to give some credit to, um, and I did this a little bit on Lockdown this morning, is Drake Kajula, who played mm. on the top line with Jonathan Taves, and Alex to and he only played 12 minutes of that game. 
Um, but man, in that 12 minutes, he had a really great scoring chance. He had four hits. Yep. He was put on that line to bring energy and bring physicality and bring a spark and bring some speed, and he's done it. And the numbers with him, with DeBrinkett and Taves, and DeBrinkett and Taves without him are big. Mm-hmm. There's like a 30% difference in possession numbers between when those three are together and those two are away from Kajula. Limited sample size, I know. But when he's on the ice, he's being effective. He's doing the Andrew Shaw things that Andrew Shaw does. And when I talked to him at Hawks convention, we played that interview early this season, in the summer rather, Mm -hmm. he mentioned how he sort of models his game after Andrew Shaw. He says we have a similar game, a similar skill set, and that's the kind of player I want to be. I think he's faster. I think he's probably got some more offensive upside than Shaw. I want to see him get some more ice time. I think it's time yeah. for Kajula to get a real look. Well, and I think that Jeremy Colladin had a pretty clear idea in his head of what he was trying to accomplish with that line because that is a really good mix of three different skill sets. You've got that physicality that yep. Drake Kajula has without sacrificing the speed and the offensive ability necessarily, but that physicality is what he wants him to bring. He wants Alex Dabrinkit to bring that speed and the spacing that he can create on the ice because guys gravitate toward Alex Dabrinkit when he's out there on the wing. That's going to create more space for your two line mates and create potentially more scoring opportunities. And then Jonathan Taves is that force up the middle that can get to the front of the net. He can be a little bit physical if he needs to be he can forecheck like crazy which is a really good thing for that line to have and of course he has the scoring ability too so it's this really good mixture of skill sets it's not a checking line it's not a pure scoring line it's this hybrid line that's like the perfect second line concoction even though you would say in Jeremy Colladin's mind he'll always say Jonathan Taves that's the number one line but I think that that was a really interesting move by him and it's one as you said we do have kind of a limited sample size that we're kind of drawing from here but it definitely showed results in that game and you noticed Drake Kajula a lot in that game whether he was throwing hits or creating scoring opportunities for Taves and DeBrincat I was really impressed with what he did in that game do you have any sort of concerns about the way Jonathan Taves has started the season this year? I, I thought initially it might have been the fact that he and Kane just weren't having kind of, they weren't meshing. I think there is a little bit of puck luck involved there too. I did notice him a bit more, but yeah, I, I've been noticing he's not as uh, assertive in the faceoff circle. Like you haven't noticed him really digging in and winning a ton of draws this season, especially early on. He was kind of struggling in that area. I just, I think at some point he's going to get it figured out. Like, Jonathan Taves has always been a guy that he, his slumps tend not to last too, too long, even though he's had a couple of down seasons here and there. But I think that ultimately, I think this is the line that's going to get him going. I don't think putting him back with like, say, DeBrincat and Kane, I don't think that's the answer. I think the best answer for him right now is to stay the course with this because I know I know what Jeremy Colladin's going to try to do if he doesn't. He's going to put him back with Brandon Saad. It's going to happen. Well, Saad has been great this year. With, with Kubalik and Shaw. Sure. Yeah. I'm really hesitant to break that line up. Obviously, they've been really effective. And we're going to get to that a little bit later as it pertains to Kirby Doc, yep. who could be on his way to the Hawks soon. But Taves' numbers here are not great. In four games this season, his Corsi 4 percentage is 3697 that's 44 chances for 75 against. If you want to look at Fenwick, it's even worse. 
32 for 62 against it's a 34 percent I think a lot of that was from the first three games though like when he was with Kane his Corsi numbers were appalling they were so bad I I think there may have been a little bit of a rebound in that last game I obviously don't have the numbers in front of me you've got the fancy mixing board in the computer and by the way I misspoke (laughs) David Camp has been playing with uh Saad and Kubel what did you say I think I I said Andrew Shaw Um, that was my mistake I know you meant uh, the other little sort of concerning thing here for Taves is his offensive zone starts are 73%. Oh, yeah, they're really trying and, to get him going offensively. And if you've got that bad of a possession number going and you're starting that many shifts mm-hmm. in the offensive zone, that's not great. And that goal the other night, I went back and watched it against Winnipeg, the one that cop scored where every Blackhawk on the ice sort of gravitated uh, towards, I forget who made the assist, and then he passed it right in front, and Cop was standing there by himself to tie the game at two. Mm-hmm. Ta- that was Taves' guy. Yeah. And he, I don't know. I I love Jonathan Taves. I'm a little concerned with how he's been so far this season. I, again, it's four games. I don't want to yeah. I don't want to lose my mind over it. Well, I'm not hitting the panic button yet with him. I think that putting him with Tabrinkit and... Uh, Kajula was a really good idea, and I think that it's one that Jeremy Colladin needs to let ride a little bit, especially after beating a previously undefeated team on Monday night. So let's take a look. You mentioned that he was better against Edmonton, and you were absolutely correct. 14 chances for nine against. That's a 60.87 Corsi four percentage. Fenwick was 10 to six, so that's 62.50. That the first two games were especially bad. Oh yeah, against Philly, 28.95 percent. That's 11 for 27 against, mm-hmm. and against San Jose, four shot attempts for 21 shot attempts against. That's 16 percent. And by the way, San Jose. In case you didn't catch it when we kept uh, harping on it on the last podcast, had not led in a game until that game. And their offense just all of a sudden came alive against Jonathan Taves. That wasn't uh, that wasn't great. They needed Patrick Marlowe, my friend. That is clear. That's D- the that difference. That is clear. <laughs> Grit and passion. Where's that Joe Pavelski guy? They need him too. Joe Pavelski. Yeah, it is still so weird him not being on the Sharks. How about man. the uh, <laughs> Stars, who I convinced myself early in the year would be the Stanley Cup champions? Oh, that was a foolish <laughs> thing of you to do. <laughs> well, they're like uh, they're one of those teams that every year before the season you're like, you know, they've made some good moves, and if you know Ben Bishop's really good, and they got Sagan, and they got Ben, and you talk yourself into things, and then they take the ice, mm. and it's different. Here's like they remind me of of the Cleveland Browns, where they got a lot of big name players. But they're not a great team. Mm-hmm. Like they don't all make sense together. And of course, they were a shot away from the conference final last year. So let's not go nuts. But still, uh, to see them off to this bad of a start is is surprising. And and then how about the Avalanche? Unde- yeah, undefeated. Yeah. Yep. Just yep. Did you watch the game on Monday? The the Columbus Day game. I did not get a chance to watch that. They one. were up in Washington. It was four nothing before the first commercial break. Ooh. <laughs> I, I picked them to win the division for a reason. Man. Well, yeah, it's a good pick. Yeah, they, oof, they, they're they scary good. And they don't have that Bowen Byram guy. Yeah, he he went back to uh They were so good. They were like, you know what? We don't need that guy. I know. Well, I didn't get a lot. I didn't get a chance to see much of him. Not in preseason. I didn't either. Yeah. But I just thought it was interesting, all the weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. And he's not even in the NHL right now. Yeah. Well, let's let's get to the Kirby Doc story. First, I want to tell you about our friends at Marishka's in Crest Hill, 604 Theodore Street. 
Like I said, in Crest Hill, family-owned and operated since 1933. Go where, go there for the poor boys, the steaks, the chops, the seafood, the great craft beer menu, the twice-baked potato, the onion rings. Everything there is phenomenal. Bring your family. Bring your friends. You'll go back again and again. That is Marishka's. Go to marishkas.com or facebook.com slash marishkas. That's M-E-R-I-C-H-K-A-S. They're closed only on Christmas, Easter, the 4th of July, and Thanksgiving. So you've got a lot of opportunities to go sample their delicious poor boys. Okay, so Kirby Doc played two games with the Rockford Ice Hogs this past week. They don't play again until Friday, which coincidentally is the next Blackhawks game. Mm-hmm. I wonder if he's going to play his next hockey game as a Blackhawk or as an Ice Hog. Either way, it'll be in Chicago. I think the game's in Rockford, actually. Oh, I thought they played. The, <laughs> I thought they played at Allstate Arena on Friday. Well, if they do, maybe I'll go. See, that's not a bad idea, is yeah. it? I thought I could have sworn it was there. Here, kill some time while I look that up. <laughs> All right, so <laughs> <laughs> I swear. All to right, God. you know what? Let's. We're trying to transition into where Kirby Doc's going to fit in this thing when he ends up playing for the Blackhawks, and I think the obvious choice for me, especially after the last couple of games, is between Sod and Kubalik. Right? Like I know David Camp has had a lot of success on that line but I also know that guy couldn't win a face-off if his life depended on it so I I am totally okay if Jeremy Colladin wants to go you know what right between Saad and Kubelik. okay they're in Rockford Friday ah and in Chicago Saturday I always love those split double headers in the Illinois Lottery Cup I believe that's what it's called so we are both right you know, no, you were technically right. I know. Yeah, <laughs> I, I knew. I knew. I, hey, you know what? It just proves I've listened to your radio station today because Connor McKnight threw out the Chicago Wolves promo. Not I'm Connor just, McDavid or Calvin DeHaan. Connor McKnight. Connor McKnight. <laughs> yes. See, I listen to the score occasionally. Well, you're the guy. Good to meet you. Um, <laughs> no, but I think so. Your your point about it being the camp line. I think you're probably right. But I'm in no hurry to break them up. And I've been sort of lukewarm on on David Camp since he joined the team. But there's been no denying. He's been good. Mm. He's had a pretty good year. And there's been a lot of little things he's done well. Outside of the face-off thing, yes, I completely 100% agree. So, And the other thing is, do you want to bring Doc in as a winger? And I could see how you could say, well, it's an easier transition but when Jonathan Taze was the number three overall pick, he was not brought in to be a winger. He's a center. You drafted him to be a center. Mm-hmm. He should play center. And don't forget, Taves' first year, he sucked at faceoffs. Oh, he was terrible. At and it. that was the thing with Doc is he's getting killed at faceoffs in Rockford. And he acknowledged it. He said, Look, I just, it's a strength thing. These guys are bigger and stronger. I need to get stronger to win faceoffs. And he will. Mm-hmm. And he'll work on it just like Taves did. But I don't know. Like, just to eat, you're going to throw him on the left wing of the fourth line and scratch. Perlini or Nylander just to I don't know the the natural thing is to put him third line center and you could put camp somewhere else mm-hmm. but do you want to break that lineup especially off a win maybe yeah. they, maybe because they won and they look so good and winning they keep things the way they are for a while and then give Doc another game or two with Rockford to get fully up to speed. He has, he has what up to 14 days. I think it was with the ice hogs on the uh, conditioning stints. I believe that's correct. Yeah. That, that, that took me a little bit by surprise. I didn't realize he was eligible for a conditioning stints. I think a lot of the beat reporters actually were a little bit surprised too, but once again, Stan Bowman's paid to know the ins and outs of the CBA and we're not. So correct. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, to me, like one thing I did want to mention is this is a great problem to have. 
the problem of where to put Kirby Doc, it means that guys that he could theoretically replace are playing well. Yeah. That's a good thing. Like, it's not like in previous seasons where it would have just been like, well, let's see, you have like five or six options to replace him, and they all suck. Like, that, it's a lot better right now. Obviously, they're not a perfect team. We've seen that over four games. We're not, you know, blind to that reality. But the fact is, the, the couple of guys who are most likely to be replaced by Kirby Doc are playing pretty well, which makes it a little bit easier to kind of ease him into the lineup and to find a spot that's going to work for him. I'm really interested to see if Jeremy Colladin agrees with our assessment on where he fits in or if he does try to maybe put him at second line wing or just kind of move him up and down the lineup and see where he fits. I don't want him to start at wing. I don't either, but I, uh, why not well, why not put him why not why not do this? Just to see how it goes, put him between Saad and Kubalik. I like it. And you put Kampf either at the fourth line center or fourth line wing. I'm okay with that. That way, Perlini's out, Neander's out. We should talk about Neander a little bit, too. Yes, give me an interesting conversation. Yeah, we'll do that next segment for sure. We'll spend some time on, on I did it again, William Neander, <laughs> Alex Neander. Connor McDavid and Connor <laughs> McKnight. And... I don't know. It's funny. Why is William Neander in my head? It's a guy we've never really covered aside from maybe a post-game Leafs I'd game. I'd understand if you said Michael. Right. That's a guy who is near and dear to my heart. Yeah. Anyway, where's the same number too, which is very nice. Did you, and we you know it's extra confusing now is that William has changed his number to 88. Why would he do such a thing? I don't know. It's probably the year he was born. It's right? probably to screw with us. I don't think he's that old. With is me it? and you personally, just <laughs> yeah. to screw with Jay and James. Yes, I think that I think that's completely valid. <laughs> we should uh, check into that. I'm gonna stick it to those bums. <laughs> I don't know why William Nylander is a Chicago <laughs> accent. <laughs> <laughs> that city does weird things to people, man. I guess so. <laughs> yeah, it's right. It's a whiskey in Nouveau. I'm changing. I'm an idiot. I like the way that Chicago and say Nouveau. By the way, it's it's almost better than the way I say it. How do you say it? I say it Nouveau, but it doesn't have that oomph that you just Nouveau. put on it when you did the yeah. See, you gotta, you gotta end it with an H. Nouveau. <laughs> See? That's, how, that's, that's the key I'm to saying, the Chicago man. accent is ending everything with an H. Yes. Well, it's it's actually you <laughs> exhaling because it took so much breath and effort to actually talk. Well, I'm, I'm a fat guy, too. It's, that plays a role. I just ate my weight in cheese curds. Yesterday was uh, National Cheese Curd Day. It was also National Grouch Day, so I made sure to yell at everybody in sight. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> but Mitch Rosen, whenever it's a National Food Day... Um, as a fat guy, always brings things for me and Rick. Mm-hmm. So brought us a big sack of cheese curds from the Mars Cheese Castle. So <laughs> the big sack of cheese. I, curds. Finished, I finished my Cool Ranch Doritos today, and then and then Rick's like, "Hey, remember we got those cheese curds?" I'm like, "Yep, yes, we do." And I went and grabbed them immediately. <laughs> oh so that's my lunch, though. This is cross cross promotion <laughs> of the I'm Fat podcast. You've Seriously. already promoted the Locked On Blackhawks podcast. You're probably going to end up hosting another podcast soon, like the Beard Enthusiast podcast. You'll host it with like Shane Reardon or something. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's regroup. <laughs> let's regroup on ourselves here a little bit uh, and take a quick time out. We come back. We're going to talk about Alex Nylander's start to his season. We'll answer some emails as well. It is the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. When the big wireless carriers start trying to get you to splurge your tax return on the latest nonsense this year, just tune it out. With Straight Talk Wireless, you can get a Samsung Galaxy A51 for just $199 on America's best networks. Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. Savings may vary. See straighttalk.com. Welcome back to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. I am Jay Zawoski. He is James Naveau. Go visit our newest sponsor, the Barrel Club in Oakland, 4910 
West 111th Street. Go to BarrelClubIllinois.com. Coming soon to the Barrel Club, the top shelf NHL flight. Start out with Canadians Hall of Famer Guy Lafleur's Canadian Whiskey, then aged in pecan wood in Texas Belfour Whiskey to finish it off, the great one, 99 brand Gretzky Ice Cask Whiskey. Go get the NHL flight coming soon to the Barrel Club in Oaklawn and join their Spirit of the Month Club. You'll get all kind of goodies and great stuff. And the food is phenomenal. Where they have good steaks. Steaks, pierogies, uh, salads, which is something you don't hear me say much. Barrel Club's awesome. BarrelClubIllinois.com. All right, so before the break, we talked about Alex Nylander, who scored the first goal of the Hawks year, then played horribly against the Sharks, then was scratched against the Jets, came back to the lineup against... um, who did they beat? I believe they beat Edmonton. Edmonton, thank you. And scored the game-winning goal. He played like eight minutes or something very, oh, yeah. very he, low. He had four shifts the uh, first two periods of the game. I think that for the as little as he played, he was very noticeable. And I don't know if it's because I'm isolating on him when he's on the ice. I'm watching him very carefully. I like to see everything he does. So when I see 92 on the ice, my eye is there to sort of tracking his effort level his ability to defend, all the things that have come into question about Nylander's game. But when he's got the puck, he's dangerous. What I did like about his game against Edmonton was the fact that he was hustling back on defense. And the goal he scored came off a turnover he faced or Mm, forced forced, at the Oilers Oilers blue line. He forced that turnover Mm -hmm. and then went what he's supposed to do, go to the net, the puck found him, and the patience he showed to wait a tick on that shot was beautiful to put it past 978-year-old Mike Smith. Well, I mean, he, it was almost a carbon copy of how patient he was on his first goal of the season, too. Like, he's he's really good at, like, being able to kind of pick that moment with that wrist shot on the rush. I kind of like it. Like, yeah. it's a it's a good quality to have. Well, the see, the offense is never in question with him. Mm-mm. You know, that, that will never be a thing. And if he is engaged, I think I've used this term infinite times, but he's his own worst enemy. Yeah. If he wants to play his ass off, he will be in the lineup. And I think in the limited ice time he had on Monday, he played his ass off and deserves to play again against Columbus. Mm-hmm. But again, if if Doc's here, who sits? Yeah. You can't really. I mean, maybe you sit Zach Smith. I haven't seen a ton from Zach Smith yet, but that's a veteran guy. But that goes back to my thing. Like, is Cowan going to play the vets or the guys who deserve to play? Right. And maybe right now. Zach Smith doesn't deserve to play. I think Carpenter's been good. Yeah, I've actually liked Carpenter's game so far. Sprung a couple shorty two-on-ones. They scored on the Brandon Saad one against the Jets. They scored on. Yep. He's been pretty effective. I've not seen much of anything from Zach Smith, aside from being the second guy in the Oilers game to kill Pearson. (laughs) (laughs) Andrew Shaw got him first. Zach Smith got him next. (laughs) How many? (laughs) Oh, man, you... Crap. Yeah, that's absolutely correct. I completely forgot about that. But now that you've brought that happy memory back into my head. (laughs) All right. Look, I I saw you had tweeted, I think, the other day that you were really impressed with his game. At least I think it was Nylander. The first couple of shifts, I thought he was still kind of drifting a little bit. I'm not sure if maybe like he realized how little Jeremy Colladin was actually using him. But you could tell his next couple of shifts and then ultimately leading up to that goal. He was playing with his hair on fire at that point. I think he realized, like, hey, wait a minute. You know, just because I'm back in the lineup doesn't mean I'm back in Jeremy's good graces. Like, I think that something clicked in his head, and I think ultimately 
it propelled him to that performance. The big question, obviously, is if he plays on Friday against Columbus, which Nylander are you going to get? And That's it. It's up to him. Yep. Compete and you will play. Yeah. It can't be more simple. Mm-hmm. We all see it. Yeah. I'm sure he's been told, hey, this is why you're not in. This is why we scratched you. These are the things you did wrong. Maybe not, but you would think so. Well, I mean, obviously Buffalo probably told him that, and he probably was like, oh, I just didn't fit there, you know, whatever. You well, know. Look, th- there is, there, there's two ways to look at that. I mean, Dylan Strom, I'm not going to say he sucked in Arizona, but he sucked in Arizona. He wasn't great in Arizona. And came here, and, and it worked out. Sometimes yeah. there's some truth to that. But for what the criticisms were of Nylander in Buffalo, were those are the things, that's the reason he was scratched against Winnipeg mm-hmm. on Saturday. It was the same thing. And when will be the moment of realization for him that if I'm going to play the bulk of 82 games and I'm going to be a factor on his team, I need to compete hard every shift. Look, you played eight minutes. Give me eight strong minutes. And maybe the next game it'll be 11. Right. And after that it'll be 14. Yep. And work your way up. But the offense has been really, really good. I let He controls the puck. He cycles the zone. Sometimes he holds the puck a little too long, but he'll work his that way out of that. With, that. That happens with younger offensive-minded forwards. Right. Like they, they, they start to figure out how long to hold the puck for. So I'm not not tremendously worried about that part of it necessarily. No, it's just put forth the effort and you'll be there. And he has to know, or you think he knows, or he's an idiot if he doesn't, <laughs> that Doc is coming and he's going to need a spot. If he's going to be on the roster, he's going to play. Yeah. Kirby Doc's not going to be a healthy scratch. Yeah. That makes no sense. No, no. If, if he's in Chicago, he's going to be playing. He has a nine-game audition. He's going to be playing somewhere. And I think a lot of the guys on the bottom half of that roster know they could end up being the one that gets sent up to the press box or worse, get sent down to the minors to make room for him. So I think that's motivating some of the guys, don't you? Like, I think that has to be at least a little bit in the mind of David Camp that he has to know that he's playing for his roster spot right now. That's all there is to it. You know what, though? Camp has realized that and has made the most of it. In every single game he's played, there has been no let up, unlike Nylander. Right. And I mean, Camp, yes, is struggling at the faceoff dot, but that's a guy you could move to play wing, yeah, without much, without missing much. Mm-hmm. Um, I th- I just think he does a lot of things well. Nothing mm-hmm. great. He's not overly fast. He's not overly strong. Not a great scorer, but he makes the team. Look, when Camp's on the ice, you know you're going to get an honest shift, yep, and an honest effort, and he's going to battle all he can to get the puck back. And that's not the sort of guy you want to see punished. Or benched to bring in a guy when you've got guys whose effort you've questioned, namely Nylander. So yeah. the the Doc thing is going to be really, really interesting. I can't wait to see how the Hawks handle this. And if it wasn't for that freaking tournament in Traverse City. jerk wads that injured him. <laughs> it's so who, annoying. Who headhunting in that tournament. Like, I st- I'm still mad about that. It's dumb. It took away the main story of the preseason now we're what four games into the season he still hasn't played yep it's just beyond frustrating i i need to see kirby doc i need to see him play it is the one thing i've waited all summer for it's like oh christmas morning's here 
we're going to wait till New Year's Day oh, to open presents. Yeah. <laughs> and, th- and then it's like, oh, wait, got to wait till Epiphany. Sorry. <laughs> oh, no, Valentine's Day now. Oh, Sorry. Uh, Casimir Pulaski Day. That's exactly right. That's it. The most important day of the year, my friend. <laughs> oh, you darn Polish people. I know, I <laughs> you, oh, you were going to say the slur. No, oh. no, no, I can't say it. I'm going to beep you just to make people think you did. (laughs) I'm not Polish. I can't say it. (laughs) All right. Well, I need to find a a transition. Oh, I should have brought your beer. Oh, dude, I even sent you Uh, money. I know you did. I'm an idiot. Yeah. If you you don't know what the hell we're talking about, Rabbit Brewing, our friends celebrated their two-year anniversary this weekend. I got James the Manticore and the Dwarves of Boom, which is the Dwarves of Doom in a bourbon oh, barrel. I cannot wait until sober October is over and I can enjoy these things. I have not opened it yet. I was going to wait for a special occasion. It's been a crazy week, but it's sitting there on my uh in my liquor stand. Yep. I have a pantry, but basically right. two shelves of it are booze because that's the kind of person I am. Mm-hmm. Um but Rabbit Brewing, go check them out. They are in Homewood, Illinois. I want to tell you about their Halloween parties coming up. That's gonna be a really great time. But uh, make sure you check them out. If you're in the South Burbs, they are part of the uh, Dixie Highway uh, Brewery Tour. You go to Three Floyds. uh, There's the one in Tinley. Is it 350? 350, 350 Brewing. All these great breweries are in the South Burbs and over in Indiana. So if you're out this way towards Homewood, towards that area, there's so many great places to try. But go to their Halloween costume party and weirdo show. That's Thursday, October 31st, obviously, from 8 p.m. to 1 a.m. There'll be pumpkin smashing. There's a band called Hot Dogs Half Off. There's not actual Hot Dogs Half Off. I was very Is, mad at Ray when they, what? Where are the hot dogs? Like, they're right there. They're isn't that the band that, like, wore the costumes? Yes. That's what I thought. <laughs> yes, yes. And the other band is Fisters. I'm just going to leave it there. I hope I was gonna that's say, just we, the name of the band. We can leave an awkward silence there if you want. <laughs> Go visit our friends at Rabbit Brewing, 17759 Brett's Drive, B-R-E-T-Z Drive in Homewood, they're the best. Love them. They are awesome, awesome sponsors. All right. The last bit of news, David Boland is going yes. to be honored with one last shift. And correct me if I'm wrong. The most recent one last shifts have been sort of greeted with an eye roll or like oh, another one of these things. Like, are we really doing this for every Hawk ever? Since this was announced, everyone's excited about it. Yeah. Everyone's happy to see Dave Boland back. Yes. I would agree with that. That's a dude who, in the playoffs, I mean, look, 17 seconds, obviously, that was his last shift as a Blackhawk, is scoring the game-winning goal. That iconic moment of his gloves flying off as he celebrated with Marcus Kruger. Yeah, yeah. burned into the memory of Blackhawk fans. But I'm writing, I'm currently writing my chapter for my book uh, about the Hawks-Canucks rivalry. Uh-huh. I have typed Boland a lot. Yeah, he <laughs> he played a big role in that rivalry, man. It, not only on the ice, oh. with the comments about mm-hmm. the uh, they sleep in the same bunk or whatever, all the <laughs> stuff he said about the Sedines, and, yep. and he later apologized, of y- course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a time in the past. But I'm really excited to see Dave Bowen get honored on Friday against Columbus. I just wish they'd held off for a Canucks game. Me too. Like, that's kind of a, <laughs> it's kind of a bummer. I know they're doing uh, multiple uh 2010 tributes and they're doing one more shift for all of them who else do you think is going to get that treatment you think brent sopel gets it you think john madden gets it like who else is gonna there's one man who deserves it above all he won't get it because he's a coyote (sighs) yeah we're talking about marion hosa if you guys can't uh well he came and visited them in prague he did but that's different 
He just happened to be in the neighborhood. Can I, I, can I have one for him? See? Well, you're also ask you're also asking a man with a terrible skin condition to put on hockey equipment for well, you can just throw one the more jersey shift. on. He doesn't have to do the whole thing. I'm I'm legitimately trying to think of who else is going to get it. Of that, let's see, of the 20 Cristobal Huey. Niemi. Oh, Niemi would be a good one. He's still playing. Is he I say is he under contract I don't with the think NHL he's in the league team? anywhere, but I, I thought think he was still I thought playing. he was overseas now. Yeah. yeah he's this, busy. <laughs> All right, I'm going to look up the 2010 Blackhawks and see. Yeah. There's going to be so many names you forgot. The first one that I definitely thought of was Brent Sopel. So that, That's a good one. I think he would be a good one. No Nick Boynton for you? Uh, <laughs> uh, he's a Coyotes broadcaster. I'm wondering if he would uh, be like, nah, screw you guys. They should just do the whole, they should just have a 2010 team night. They, I think they're going the to. They there. are at the end of the, like their last one. I think it's in March. <laughs> all right. They're doing like a full, like big celebration of the whole uh, team. All right, I'm going to give you some options. All right. Okay. Cam Barker. No. <laughs> Brian Bick already had one. Yes. Bowen's getting one. Yep. Nick Boynton. No. Troy Brower. Ooh, he's playing still. Florida Panther. Yeah, can't Adam, do that. Adam Burrish. Yes, he's going to get one. Dustin Bufflin. Awkward. Oh, that is awkward. Brian Campbell. Probably. I bet he'll get one. Jake Dowell. Who? <laughs> ben Eager. See, my wife still has an irrational love of Ben Eager, and when I told her he wasn't a very good hockey player, she got very mad at me. And kind of, never mind. Uh, Andrew uh, Ebbett. Oh, I forgot about Andrew <laughs> Ebbett. Colin Frazier. Okay. Yes. Well, he's is he still affiliated with the Wolves? I know he had, he had been with them a few years back. I think he's probably retired by this point. Yes, for sure. Jordan Hendry. Good, good old number six. Good old number six in our hearts. Hosa. Cristobal Huey. <laughs> I All still right. think it'd be funny, man. I have found the name on the list. I promise you will not get one more shift at the Blackhawks. Is Kim Janssen. Oh, my God. <laughs> Has he even, like, emerged from his cave yet? I think he's, like, in Lake Michigan somewhere <laughs> with cement shoes on. I got to know what happened there, man. I still don't know. Scott Powers, do a profile for the athletic. Find Kim Janssen. Yeah, get some scuba gear. Yeah. <laughs> Go find Kim Janssen. Thomas Kapetsky, Andrew Ladd, John Madden. John Madden would be good. I said John Madden. Yeah. I think he'd be good. Patrick Sharp has he had uh, one? Uh, has he? Didn't they give him a contract to give him one last shift for a whole year? Ah, zing. Too soon. Jack Skilly. Jack Skilly. Dude, Jack Skilly. <laughs> I would be so amped if he got one. That'd be so funny. Radek Smolenak. Oh, my God. Who Powers just did a big feature on. Yes, he did. And it was super interesting. See, this is why he needs to do the Kim Janssen feature. You got a number on Radek Smolenak? Uh, zero as in my level of interest in him taking one more shift. 52. Uh, uh-huh. And uh, you mentioned Brent Sopel. Yep. And the last name, Ice Hogs captain, Chris, Chris Versteeg. I doubt Versteeg will get one since he's still technically playing. I think Campbell, Burris, Sharp, and Boland are probably the four safest options. That makes sense to me. I still insist, though, it would be hilarious if they gave one to Huey. <laughs> It was so bad. <laughs> Dude, give one to Huey and uh, Niemi. Why the heck not? I was really excited about that, too. So and was I. It just... And it wasn't like it was a terrible contract. That was, what, like four and a half million bucks or something like that? A no. season? No, it was, it was decent at the time. Yeah. Yeah, boy. It just did not work at all. Yeah. Better than Marty Turco, though. Well, better than uh, Nikki, Nikolai Hobby Bull in part two. Yeah, part one was good. Part one was fine. Part two? No. Not so great. No. Are you ready for the email of the show, my friend? Uh, is it asking who should get one more shift? No. Then I'm ready for All it. All right. 
Email the guys at madhousepod at gmail.com or follow them on Twitter at madhousepod. The email of the show, as always, is brought to you by our friends at Chuck's Southern Coverage Cafe with locations in Burbank and Darien. Visit chuckscafe.com and go there this Sunday as their Hawks outing. There's still a few spots left, so go sign up for the Blackhawks Capitals outing with Chuck's Cafe in Darien. There's a full buffet. There's drinks before. There's a bus ride to and from the game. You're going to want to go and check that out. If you've never been to Chuck's and you haven't been to a Hawks game yet this year, go see Alex Ovechkin. Go stuff yourself with barbecue and booze Mm -hmm. and have a great time. It's a really great deal. So Chuck'sCafe.com. Email here, and I kid you not, the emailer's name is Adam Sandler. I'm showing you the email right now. Adam All right, I'm intrigued. Now, this is as detailed and researched an email as we've ever gotten, and it deserves to be aired. Okay. Adam says, I wanted to praise David Kampf in the third line's performance versus the Oilers Monday night. Being at home, Jeremy Cowlton could set the matchups and choose to put Kampf against McDavid, our third line against the Oilers first, and Kampf shut down McDavid. The third line thrived. That line had a 78.57 Corsi 4 and a 90% Fenwick 4. Camp led Blackhawks forwards in 5-on-5 ice time at 14-18, 1 of which were against McDavid. During those 12-plus minutes, the Blackhawks had a 14-3 advantage in shot attempts and a 9-2 edge in shots on goal. So far this season, the Hawks have a 59.65 Corsi 4, 68.09 Fenwick 4, and a 72.22 shots 4% when Camp Kubelik and Sauter on the ice together and a 45.57, 44.12, and 43.28 against. The third line has been the most stable and dependable line so far and can be a true shutdown or possession line. If Saad could stop hitting the post, I think he had three Monday night, this line would look a lot better offensively too, and I think the suggestion of switching Camp out for either Taves or Doc could mess up the chemistry and defensive ability that Camp brings. Although... We still need to get Taves going and may have to find a roster spot for Doc. That is Whew. an awesome email. And I'm firing myself, and Adam is the new host of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. I, I actually was uh, thinking to myself, man, that guy could write posts for uh, Madhouse Enforcer for NBC. Like, with that kind of attention to detail, that was good stuff, man. Yeah, that was great. And, that, I mean, he there, Adam said it all. That's, you know. We just literally wanted to share his genius. It's domination. Yeah, Camp has been great, and especially yeah. against McDavid, and that's the thing. Like you've got to find breaking up that line could be a mistake. And as selfishly as I want to see Kirby Doc play and play with good players, and I feel like that line would be a really good spot for him. But man, that is such a that is such an endorsement of David Camp. It really is. How would you feel about Doc and Nylander and Smith or or uh, um, Carpenter? I don't know. Does his skill set really fit that line? I don't know. At least you have him with a guy who's offensive out there. Mm-hmm. And what we did learn from Doc in his time in Rockford, even though he didn't get on the score sheet, his defensive play was really solid. People were really pleased with his back checking effort, his ability to read plays, intercept, break up, scoring chances. He was really impressive in that end of the game. So, and that end of the ice. So mm-hmm. I think that. As long as Nylander is the wing. What would you think of putting him with uh, Stroman Shaw as a, a line? Wing? As a winger? Either or. 
I think you could kind of like mix and match whether he'd be at center or be at wing with Strom. Well, Strom's been terrible at uh, faceoffs this yeah, year. Yeah, but you know what? So is everybody. So it's like at this point, is that really going to be the make or break? Uh, I, guess, I guess we were talking about it with camp too, but like, is that going to be the make or break thing? Like, I don't No, And, I, and well, the other thing too is Strom has been effective as a winger on the, on the first power play unit. So he's capable yeah, of it. Yeah. He knows where to go. And I know. Power play is different. A little from, bit different, but I also think that having kind of that quasi center along with Kirby Dot could be a good thing. Yeah, I I, a, I might be willing to try a Strom Shaw Dock line. I think that could work. Yeah, Strom this year at faceoffs forty one percent. It's not great. That's not great. The year the Hawks traded for him last season, he was fifty seven percent. I wonder what's going on with that. I don't like, know, but the, the rest of his career has been bad though. Rookie year forty percent. Second year, 43%. Then he was 58 with Arizona last year. Mm-hmm. Then came to the Hawks and was 45. And this year, he's just under 42. Bring so, back Yannick Perot. Oh, my God. <laughs> he's getting a one last shift. <laughs> oh, my God. No. <laughs> Give one to Adrian O'Coin. Oh, man. The captain. He was a temporary captain. Mark Bell? <laughs> well, he's probably busy. Some brothel. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> Let's not get down that road, man. That's a that's a dangerous place. All right, some late breaking news. This is from Scott Powers. Uh, it is one o'clock p.m. on Wednesday. This is from after practice. Cowton on when Doc could play in the NHL. This is a quote from Jeremy Cowton. He can only be down in Rockford for two weeks. So after that, then it's certainly on the radar. But I don't think we have it down to the day. Aha! Uh-huh, so it so does not sound like he's playing on Friday. It doesn't sound imminent by any means. But again, I, I still might try to get tickets to the game against Vegas on Tuesday. Maybe, and I might go to the Wolves game on Saturday. On Saturday, then there you go. If Kirby Doc's going to play against the Wolves. I, I should go to that. I almost have a responsibility to go to that. Yes, he's going to be right here. I should cover it. Well, we'll see. I don't know what's I'm going to DVR it. That too. See. We're, we're a full-service hockey podcast here. <laughs> and we have Adam Sandler now chiming in. Yeah, with you know what? Stats. Adam Sandler, <laughs> hockey friggin' genius. All right, well, that's going to do it for the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. We appreciate it. I want to thank everybody again for the support on Locked on Blackhawks as well. If you've not checked that out, LO underscore Blackhawks. That is my daily half-hour Blackhawks podcast, so listen to that one as well. But thanks for listening to the Madhouse Podcast. We love doing it. James, thanks for meeting me downtown. Want to thank our sponsors, Triple Threat Sports. For all your team outfitting needs, call Chris, 708-478-6090. Mariska's in Crest Hill, family-owned and operated since 1933. Chuck's Southern Coverage Cafe with locations in Burbank and Darien. Visit chuckscafe.com. Rabbit Brewing, the time has come for you to drink mythological-level draft ales. Visit the Southland legend, Rabbit Brewing in Homewood, Illinois, and the Barrel Club in Oak Lawn, 4910 West 111th Street. Join their Spirit of the Month Club at BarrelClubIllinois.com. Jay Zawoski for my partner, James DeVoe. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. We haven't even pulled away from the drive-thru and you're already digging in the McDonald's bag. (laughs) Aw, babe, just a few. (laughs) All right. I guess I can't blame you. Pass me some, too. (laughs) The smells too good to get it all the way home meal. There's a meal for every moment at McDonald's. And now your favorite spicy chicken McNuggets are back. 
Get a six-piece spicy or classic for just two bucks, only at McDonald's. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. For the ones standing guard, for the eagle-eyed, for the knights in shining armor, and for all those who support them, we are Granger, your experienced safety partner, offering supplies and solutions for every industry, committed to helping keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com/safety or just stop by Granger for the ones who get it done.